Well, I was going to say um, it's it's a, it's a qualification process, much like every other exchange. You know, you have to uh, you know, you have to qualify. You have to show that you've got the right financial um, wherewithal, uh, one way or the other. The, the whole idea there is you don't want to take advantage of anybody. Uh, and then on the other hand, we also have an anti-money laundering policy. Uh, you know, your KYC, of course, is is making sure the customer knows what they're doing, and and you know the customer. Um, and then, of course, you know the whole idea of making sure that we're monitoring the situation, so so you end up watching how the trades are done but uh... hey guys it's mandy with global hemp association i wanted to say thank you so much for joining i'm excited about the opportunity to build a relationship and connect this supply chain i mean after all that's why we started the association our association was built on the foundation of connecting supply chain building relationships and helping you grow your business anyone from farmers manufacturers and distributors people that are passionate about the supply chain and those creating products selling into biofuels, plastics, textiles, construction and building materials. Hey guys. Hey. Okay. I'm glad you're now you're up on top. We kind of rearranged. Like <laughs> Anyways, welcome everybody. Thank you very much for joining. I'm really excited about this conversation and I'm a little bit embarrassed to know that this area of this industry is my where I have the least experience. I swear my brain does not work very well on the data and the uh, data tracking and the price discovery and things like that. So I'm really excited to talk about it because I don't think it's something that we talk about enough and especially talking about the value that it's going to bring to our industry. So I want to give a shout out to everybody that's listening. Shout out to our sponsors. Thank you very much, Westtown Bank, for being with us now for a year um, and really backing what we're doing. And then thanks to our members, Jason, you guys especially. Thank you for participating and supporting Global Health Association. Um, also, real quick, I want to give a shout out to those that are involved in our seed trials um, and something that we can, you know, touch base again because it's pretty exciting. We did national fiber variety trials in ten states. 10 varieties in each state to really track what the outcome is of each different variety, um, you know, all on the same data, collecting the same data. And so seeds are in and trials are moving right along. And so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Melissa, great job. So follow along Melissa at South Bend Industrial Hemp and Performance Crop Research. She's done a great job at putting this together and she'll keep putting updates out about what's happening on the trials. So. Without further ado, when you guys are logged in, please let us know where you're chiming in from. Say hello and don't hesitate to ask any questions. I'll turn this over now to Nathan. Nathan's really involved in Global Health Association and has been an incredible advocate and a great resource. So don't hesitate to reach out to him. But Nathan, you want me to tell, tell us a little bit about who we are and what got you into this industry? Yeah, so I went to Purdue back in about a 10 plus years ago now, studied management economics. I'm, I'm an economist at heart. And um, in general, I've, I've always been a hemp advocate. I wrote a paper in high school about why industrial hemp was gonna change the world. I didn't realize it would be within my lifetime, but I'm glad to, to be a part of it. Uh, after grad school, I went to Colorado, started a um, company with a couple of colleagues and classmates. Uh, we did hop and hemp extractions with ethanol and CO2. Um, I did the whole all the sales and met a lot of people that were in the industry at the time, 15, 16. Um, I sold my share to that uh, back in 2018 and then um, traveled for a little bit, ended up in China, ended up traveling back down, ended up where I was born in Texas and Austin. Um, I met a company that was doing track and trace and technology. I was like, well, I know hemp, but I don't know anything about technology. 
So I've learned quite a bit working with these guys. Um, and then in the course of that, uh, we were looking for, well, how do we take this to, to a market? Um, and in the course of those conversations, we met uh, Robert, who's our CEO with uh, Global Smart Commodity Group. Um, that's um, Jack is the chair of our board. And so we got to meet and have a conversation and realize that, you know, there's there's a lot of synergies here. And so just last year, we were able to hook up and, and we joined forces. And um, so now I get to uh, be part of, you know, what is what does it mean to make a market? Um, and that's really where Jack comes in. He's got so much knowledge and just he's probably forgot more about commodities and markets than I've even ever learned. So you know, I'm just excited to to join with Jack and, and uh, participate. I love that saying. Welcome, Jack. <laughs> well, thanks, Mandy. And and you know what, Nathan is is very generous. Uh, you know, my background again is is a quite a bit different than Nathan's. I literally grew up on the floors of the exchange, uh, right out of Chicago. I went to a university right here, uh, and then and then went right onto the floor of the exchange. Started trading. Uh, was a broker. So essentially, I, I did many different things in the world of commodities. Uh, from there, uh, you know, my my career kind of took off. Uh, in different directions. I became president of Commerce Bank, which was one of the largest banks in the world uh, here in Chicago. I was also on the board of directors of the CME Group, uh, which was the exchange uh, that, that uh, handled all the price discovery for the various commodities. Um, and I was also a talking head on CNBC for 25 years. So if people are looking at me and, and might recognize who I am, I was one of those guys that would, would yell uh, I, with Rick Santelli on TV, uh, getting all animated and, and everything else. It's funny, I actually saw myself on uh, John Oliver's show of all things when he was showing these boxes and almost <laughs> fell out of my, fell off of my sofa when I, when I saw that, he was making fun of us. But, uh, but just to, to, to get to hemp, uh, what, what happened was uh, a few different things. One, and I'll give you a quick story, is when I was president of Commerce Bank, we would take delivery on sugar or other commodities, uh, and it was always an inferior product. It wasn't what the buyer really wanted. Uh, the seller didn't know what the buyer really wanted. The seller just grew what they grew and then just delivered it, and if they had to make the difference up, they did. I thought it was such an inefficient way to do business. And as we started to see different technologies come on board, especially the blockchain, I became aware that that we couldn't, you know, we, we had the best 1960s exchange mechanism in the world. And if we could take it into the into the new age, into the computer age, into the digital age and, and really get an idea of what we had, um, it turns more into an exact science. Uh, and, and that's really and, and I, I won't get into it now. We'll get into it in a little bit. But that was really the genesis of why we started getting into hemp and why we figured the world was ready for a new type of exchange uh, and a new type of price discovery for, for growers and for, for processors and for end users. Anything you want to add? I want to get into what do you mean when you say exact science? You know, well, here, let, let's, let's go through it this way. Um, right now, uh, the way it's handled, and you know, when I was doing a lot of research back when I was with the CME people, for example, uh, we would take hemp pricing. Uh, and somebody who was growing hemp fiber herd uh, that was creating herd out in one part of the country, and somebody that was creating uh, you know, medicine or growing CBD or growing hemp for medicine in another part of the country, they were taking these two crops and actually averaging them out and coming up with a benchmark. That is not a benchmark. All right, that is essentially a fake price. So what it's doing, it's, it's doing absolutely no justice to the buyers or to the sellers. So what I was talking about in exact science is no longer are you gonna use a benchmark. So right now, so for example, in the crude oil market, you have 40 different types of crude, 
all right? Nigerian sweet, Nigerian sour, Saudi sweet, Saudi sour, uh, tar sands from Canada. I, I could go through n- numbers of them. But we had to settle on a benchmark. Why? Because technology didn't give us the ability to be able to take the genesis of that drill, all right? Where it was coming from, where it was grown, track and trace everything from origin all the way on through the processing, manufacturing, transportation, all the way on through the line, and then have a marketplace. So you know what you're buying, where it was from, who delivered it, what that exact product is. So that's what I mean by an exact science, Mandy. You're no longer taking you know, a bushel of soybeans that was grown in one part of the country and hoping that it's what you want. No, you're buying exactly what you want with specifications that are grown from genetic marker all the way on through the process from seed to sale in true fashion on the blockchain where, where the data cannot be adulterated one bit. I like it, I like it. Okay, so Nathan, uh, this excites me, right? Because we talk about like, something that really can bring this exact science and real numbers to the forefront so we can make smarter business decisions so that we can hopefully avoid these challenges, right? Um, As you were looking to join a team or come on to a new team, can you give a little plug about the team that you're working with and why this is a commodities group that's worth, you know, that really moving the industry forward? Speaking to Jack's background, but yeah, what, what do you see in the market and the value to a platform like this and a team behind it. Yeah, so there's a, a couple different elements. So I'll give a shout out to our CEO, Robert Alverdeen. He's, you know, he's he's an upper floor trader, which means he uh, didn't spend as much time on the floor as Jack, but he uh, definitely handled a lot of trades and, and understood, you know, what are we dealing with when you need a market? What are the, the pieces that are needed here? And what we have at the Salus platform is a platform that allows us to create the detailed specifications as Jack was talking about for each in the, uh, different industry. So speaking to him specifically, I've been tasked with identifying what are the different fiber markets that could come of this. And so if you look at it, are you talking about specs for stock? Are you talking about um, round bales or square bales in making that differentiation? It seems like a small thing, but it matters to the processors. And then going into the processors, they bring something into their facility what are they putting out? Are they putting out general herd? Are they taking, are we talking about large herd, medium herd, micronized herd? Um, what what are the, the moisture content of these things? Where, where do they go from there? So being able to break those down into individual specs on this is the measurements. These are how they test. Um, those all matter. And then being able to have the flexibility to create these new markets and be able to track them from the beginning of the farming process all the way through the processor, all the way to the final product. So if you're talking um, textiles, for example, which is a very underdeveloped market currently, we can grow along with those textile markets and identifying what does it take to have a bast fiber that um, can be spun or woven. Um, those are you know type of specifications that have to be harvested in a certain way. And each of them has to measure in a specific way. And then they can be categorized based on their results. And when we can categorize them digitally, uh, that allows for the buyer and the seller to both agree on what they have and what they're dealing with so that when they make an agreement, hey, I want to buy this at this quantity for X price, you can actually match them. And and when it goes from buyer to seller or from seller to buyer, then it allows them to 
to have an agreement and then be able to know if, if there's a disagreement somewhere in the testing after the product is received, we have an arbitration process. And those types of things allow us to be able to, to track and, and assure the quality of the purchase one way or the other. Um, um, Mandy, if I could just add something to what Nathan was saying. You know, one of the problems that we used to have back in the days of, of the, the old ways that they used to trade commodities. In fact, I say it the old way, but yet they're still doing it today at the various exchanges. Um, and, and what they would do is, you know, there'd be slippage. That would be the word that would be used. It would be slippage. And, and who would end up suffering with that slippage? It would usually be the, the farmer. It would be the, the, the dairy farmer. It would be the cattle farmer. And that slippage, believe it or not, is stealing. And, and I'm going to put it into perspective because it works like this in hemp also. You know, people put hemp aside and all of a sudden it doesn't weigh nearly as much. And before you know it, you know, they want to renegotiate the price. There's a lot of that that takes place. All right. That is very inefficient. And it used to be the way that corn was traded. It used to be the way soybeans were traded. And then people realized that you couldn't do that. And they came up with what we call a central price discovery mechanism. So what Nathan is describing is the ability to be able to now take that whole idea of a central price discovery mechanism and bring it into the digital age is really what we have done. Um, and it's something that, that does, never existed before. You know, if the soybean farmer or corn farmer of, of 50 years ago had this technology at their fingertips, chances are we wouldn't have these big conglomerates, the Cargills and the ADMs right now, that dominate the entire world because they would have been able to actually survive. Um, and and it's, 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 a, it's anecdotal, but it's something to keep in mind, especially as we're watching this industry in its infancy uh, growing at the rate it's growing. Well, and I think this speaks to the importance of the transparency right? And the value there. Can you talk a little bit about how this addresses a lot of our industry problems with lack of transparency, you know, along that supply chain? Well, Nathan, you want to get into that and I'll jump in? Uh, uh, you can go ahead, Jack. I can jump in afterwards. Okay. Well, I, you know, one of the things that, that Mandy, the, the biggest problem with transparency is the fact that, you know, you don't know what you're buying in many cases. All right. And what we have done is we've taken that to the next level. Uh, the transparency is there to a certain point. OK, so what we mean by that is that, you know, you can bid an offer, but you've got to know what you are buying. All right. And everybody's going to see what that price is. So now everybody knows in the different parts of the country, because hemp is going to be priced differently in different parts of the country. You know, we've, we've split the country up into seven different regions, I believe, seven or nine. I, I think, uh, Nathan, you know the better than I do. Yeah. And, and what we have done is we've realized. And, and one of the reasons for that, Mandy, is because, you know, uh, here I had a, a, we had a big dairy trader. Uh, Rob, our CEO, is a, one of the biggest dairy traders in the world. Um, and what would happen is people would take delivery on butter, but they wouldn't realize that butter was coming from California. All right. By the time it got to the East Coast, it was no longer butter. Yeah. And and they would have to worry about it. And quite frankly, it was inferior product by the time it got to the East Coast. So I'm using that as an example of how, you know, because as we see hemp and this entire industry mature, it has to be treated mainstream. It has to be treated like other commodities are treated. It's got to give us the ability to be able to go out there and use it just like they're using it in an industrial fashion, because you, you see that you see the future for it. And those of us that are on the financial side also understand that what we have at our fingertips with the new technology allows us to, one, protect that hemp farmer, no matter what he's growing, all right? 
and two, be able to come up with true price discovery so the buyer knows what they're paying and they're not getting gouged. It's, and you, you're really eliminating, in many cases, that broker that's taking that 30% markup in the middle. And you're bringing buyer and seller together where they belong in, in a real marketplace. Well, and then this goes back to where my passion is, right, is protecting our farmers and our farmers Absolutely. knowing what that market looks like, right? Nathan, mm-hmm. what do you want to add to that? And then I'd like to talk, kind of feed into your standard development and what you guys are working on that supports this, right, and supports this price yeah. story. As, as it relates to transparency, I think one of the, the real things that we're providing is a, is a toolkit, really. Um, so we've got um, mobile developers that are able to take a mobile app and they put it directly in the hands of the farmers so that we have better information first and foremost so we know what's being grown, when, where, how much, um, you know, where it's supposed to go. And then we can train, you know, track that transaction from the farmer to the processor and then from the processor to their next buyer. And being able to track those differences in, in weights and volumes and measures um, at each step in the process allows for us to have better information that goes to the marketplace so that we know, you know, there's expected to be a shortage in the future or, you know, we're going to have an oversupply of this particular market. It gives better information back to the farmers so they know what to plant, where to plant, when to plant, um, that type of information. Obviously, as a developing industry, uh, the more information that the producers can have, the better. Um, And so we're trying to provide a mechanism where a lot of that information can come and then be disseminated back to the marketplace in a way that's fair and equitable uh, for the people who are actually doing the majority of the work, which, as we all know, is typically the farmers. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to real quick, there were a couple of questions or, or uh, things that ch- uh, people that chimed in. Christian, I just wanted to give you a shout out. Thank you very much for uh, listening. Yes, it is recorded. I record all of these and then publish them on our YouTube channel. And then I think they go out to five or six different podcast channels, so Spotify, Google, Apple, things like that. Um, but it will be on our podcast or on our YouTube channel. And then they're transcribed and also saved um, in other formats onto our hemp hallway. So members have access to transcribed notes that are a little bit different and easier to sort through and find data from. So heads up that those will be there. But thank you very much for listening. Also shout out for Dr. Hall. Um, I don't. I wish I knew who these guys were. CGS, it looks like Cody and Cody's gun shop. Thank you very much for chiming in. They had a couple of questions. And I would also encourage you guys to go back to the YouTube channel. Um, there are so many interviews. Nathan can attest to this. He's on a lot of our calls, but there's lots of information there to answer some of those questions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, you guys, for all listening. And also, same thing, anybody else that has any questions, don't hesitate to chime in. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Real quick, uh, before we move on, how do people get involved in your in your platform? How do people connect with you? And if somebody wants to join the platform, either sell and or buy, what does that process look like? Yeah, so we have an onboarding. Go ahead, Jack. I was going to say, um, it's, it's, a, it's a qualification process, much like every other exchange. You know, you have to uh, you, know, you have to qualify. You have to show that you've got the right financial um, wherewithal uh, one way or the other. The, the whole idea there is you don't want to take advantage of anybody. Uh, and then on the other hand, we also have an anti-money laundering policy. Uh, you know, your KYC, of course, is is making sure the customer knows what they're doing and, and you know the customer. Um, and then, of course, you know, the whole idea of making sure that we're monitoring the situation. So so you end up watching how the trades are done. But uh, but it's it's really more a question of the individual or the or the company itself. Uh, and what they would do is they would contact somebody like Nathan or they would contact our, our people uh, directly through the exchange through the website. 
uh, and, and they would see about the qualifications that would be necessary. Yeah, and the website is smartcommoditygroup.com. Uh, and then if they wanted to reach out to me, I think uh, my email is, has been disseminated, but it's Nathan at smartcommoditygroup.com. And then uh, I'm also on Hemp Hallway, which give a little plug for there. So if they want to reach out to me there, they can find my phone number um, a, as well and, and reach out to me personally. Uh, more than happy to help people walk through the process. So we will be um, launching a our mobile apps here pretty soon. Some of them are, are already We've done a soft launch, but we'll be doing a, a, a grand launch uh, here coming this, this summer and the fall, um, which allows for the, the individual producers to be able to, to onboard, at least to be able to start tracking their information. Um, and then from there, there's a qualification process of after you reach certain steps in order to make a smart contract, which is really the end goal here, um, you have to pass certain metrics um, along the way. And as we, we go along, uh, People like myself, and, and we've got another guy named Jeff that's uh, really good with um, sales and helping people to navigate these things. Uh, we can walk you through that process and, and more than happy to get connected. So uh, please feel free to reach out to me. And uh, I see a couple of questions here I'd love to, to answer. Uh, they're asking about clearing transactions, taking ownership. Um, what we have is basically it's the, the chain of custody is, is on the platform itself. So it goes all the way on through. So what we do is we hold that chain of custody. Um, and then what is happening is that it literally does not leave the blockchain. Uh, and that's very important, especially from, from going from buyer to seller. Um, the other question that was, uh, that was asked about clearing trades um, and what we're doing is, as far as that goes, we have a very unique uh, situation with our smart contracts. Um, what we're looking at right now is our, our, we, we've created virtual wallets for all of our users. The idea there will be to use a stable coin or a token, uh, which is what we'd like to refer to it as. Think of it as a Disney dollar. All right. Uh, so you need to buy Disney dollars if you're going to go to Disneyland and you're going to you and you're going to, you know, anything. But it's, it's a dollar for a dollar. So but what that does is it gives us pre-transactional verification. In other words, you know, we the money is sitting with us ready to be released once that transaction is fully complete. Um, as far as clearing secondary derivatives, now, a lot of you that understand about the market structure might be asking, OK, Jeff, where do you go from this? Now, what we're talking about, essentially, with these various listings is much like uh, uh, the way you would list something at the stock exchange. Think of it as a stock. All right. It's got its own specifications, its own qualities and whatever the case might be. But when you take a group of those stocks and you group together and you create an index, well, now you've got a hemp fiber index. You have uh, a hemp CBD index. You, you could have a you could have different types of indices which hit various silos within the industry itself. When you group those together and then you weigh them out the way they should be weighed out, uh, you end up with an index that can be traded as a secondary derivative as a futures contract. Now that gives somebody the ability to be able to lock in that price certainty six, eight, nine months out and not experience the severe volatility in pricing. So if you're a farmer, just the way a soybean or a corn farmer will go out there and sell what they haven't even put in the ground yet, uh, but they'll sell it out for a year. That way they can lock in their profit margin and their operating margin. All of that is what this industry is, is, is in desperate need. And that's exactly where we're going with this. I love it. Nathan, you have any 
Yeah, just specifically note, um, as far as it goes with like getting the futures contracts, a lot of that takes a couple of volume and history. And so right now the transaction history within this industry just, it doesn't exist yet. But in order to get there, you have to start with, with the current transactions of where we are. So um, this goes with the grain, with the herd, with the fiber, all, all of those are going to develop sort of separately. Um, obviously, everybody's aware of uh, the biomass industry sort of is has gone up and then it dropped down, um, floor fell out, and then we expect it to kind of come back up a little bit. Um, but, you know, obviously with getting some of those transactions and the bigger players and the larger quantities um, is really where we're um, trying to, to start and get established. Uh, but again, this goes back to specs and standards. Um, and we realize that those will develop over time. And as we go forward and as more standards are recognized and accepted industry-wide, um, we'll continue to incorporate those year over year into our platform so that uh, we can better reflect the market for where it currently exists. I like it. I like it. There was another question up here. I don't know if you guys saw this from Aaron. Thank you for chiming in. Um, as you're creating the ad, ag scheme in the hemp sector, it sounds like your standard is a focused on tech. Is this a standard focused on certification, auditing, and voluntary participation? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, Aaron, that is actually, you know what, probably one of the smartest questions that's going to be asked today. What we're, what we're talking about is an integration, all right? Essentially, this is a, you know, it's something brand new. Here, I, and I'll give you a real example because it sounds like you understand the markets. When I went to the regulators with this, and I have been to the regulators many times as a, as a member of the board of directors of the CME group, when I told them what we were doing, they said, wow, you're disintermediating the entire clearing organizations. All right. In essence, what we are doing is giving them straight through processing. So, yes, what we're incorporating is the technology that we have now at our fingertips. And, and quite frankly, if, if the CME and the ICE and some of these other major exchanges had this technology 40 or 50 years ago, they would have based their contracts on the blockchain. But here's the problem with corporations that are 50 and 60 billion dollars. It's very difficult for them to actually maneuver and make changes. It's, it's very difficult. And what you have are entrenched users and entrenched um, you know, uh, you know, farmers for that matter that are just complete. You know, there are some farmers, by the way, that will do everything by telephone, won't even use a computer. They were my customers. All right. You know, these are people, these are farmers that are worth 100, 200 million dollars. All right. But but they were living in the 1880s. Uh, and I just found that to be absolutely fascinating to me. Um, and, and they're not going to change. You know, I mean, the farmers of today, especially hemp farmers, I find are obviously a, a little bit more ahead of the game. But sure. you found some hemp farmers that were absolutely, you know, had no idea what they were doing. They were growing hemp because they were growing hemp and they thought it was going to make them money. Well, you know, the reality is that boom and bust cycle uh, is, is indicative of an, a market it's in, in its infancy. Uh, and, and if it's going to end up going down the road of the corn and soybeans and everything else that we see happening, um, then it's going to have to flatten out that volatility. You're going to have to we're going to have to make sure that farmers are fed. All right properly and end users are, are you know, not being gouged. And, and all of that really comes to fruition when you have a, a perfectly working mechanism for price discovery. Um, I wanna go back real quick to standard development. And thanks by the way, Erin, for that question. That's great. Don't hesitate to chime in if you've got any other follow-ups. I hope it answered your, answered your question. Um, Nathan, I wanna jump back on standard development with ASTM. Yeah, 
So ASTM International, for those that are uh, unfamiliar, is a volunteer standards organization that it takes input from the industry players to get um, making sure that everybody is on the same page. And they can say, these are the test methods. These are the tests that are run. And this is the agreement that we have on what they mean. Um, and so currently I'm on one of the sub, a couple of the subcommittees, uh, but D37 is the committee for cannabis. D13 is the committee for textiles. There's a subcommittee D3707, which is where they work on specifically fiber textiles for properties, chemical and physical of, you know, a textile. Um, so it's really in its infancy in that as well. There's a lot of really smart people on there um, that are that are doing some great work. Many professors, um, Chad Oldman, there's Bill Oldhouse, a couple other people who, who you may or may not have met. Uh, but they've, they've been doing good work on, on just identifying what are the tests that need to be run? Who will run these tests? What are the equipments that will be needed to run them? Is there a commercial application for them? It takes, uh, you know, uh, takes uh, multiple people throughout the industry to be able to, to identify and come to standards and specs that everybody can agree on. Uh, much like cotton has its own board of people that are doing these things, we need to identify what these specs are so that people can agree on them when they, when they come to a test and say, this isn't what I asked for. Well, yes, it is. Well, how do you arbitrate that? You say, well, this is what we agree on. Does it meet that standard specification or not? I mean, if it does through testing that's been agreed upon, then then it meets the spec. If it does not, then it doesn't. And so it's it makes it so that where there's ambiguity, it brings some clarity. And that's each one of those specs as they develop will be incorporated into the different markets for that product. And so uh, those are just some of the the nuances that that we're working through, and you know, these things take time, but we're looking forward to the process. And, and, and Mandy, if I could just add to that, uh, you know, the, the other thing that this does, uh, and just coming, I'm going to put my old banker hat on as, as president of Commerce Bank here in Chicago. Um, when you end up in a situation like that, it gives the banker or somebody who's lending money out that much more of an assurance. Uh, you know, especially if they know number one that the, the product is not inferior that's being that, that's being grown. Number two, that there's an actual place for it to be sold. Uh, you know, even if uh, you know, even if they don't have a buyer, is there a marketplace for it? Uh, you know, the last thing you want is to have brokers just calling around. Um, you know, I mean, and all of us have experienced the same thing. I think we, when I first, you know, one of my first experiences uh, in this whole world was uh, was was somebody coming to me with with isolate. And I shopped it around. And before I knew it, it was being shopped back to me at a higher price. And I thought to myself, okay, this is crazy. You know, something's got to be done about this. That's like uh, a perfect example of our industry. <laughs> yeah. And, that's, and that was really when, when we decided to, to kind of go full force and to have to make sure that, uh, you know, aside from other commodities that we're looking at, you know, non-GMO corn, for example, dairy, these are things that, that also need this technology. But hemp is the thousand pound gorilla. Uh, you know, I mean, not only is it medicine, but but, you know, we're talking about hempcrete. We're talking about, you know, maybe down the road, uh, you know, uh, the CO2 capture and, and soil remediation. If we do it right, you know, we're still studying those things. Yeah. And Nathan is is right on on top of that world. Uh, you know, I yeah. mean, uh, we're, you know, we, we've talked to so many people. We're trying to figure out that world because uh, that, that world of carbon sequestration using using our hemp farmers um, and doing it properly uh, could be a gold mine. Uh, and, and that's <laughs> <great>. Yes. <laughs> Nathan, why don't you add to that? Yeah. Yeah. 
right? What we're doing now for our environment and our long-term effects of materials that are made from hemp instead of these other additives like plastics or petroleum is just a, you know, I look at that as game changing for our planet and our kids and the future of innovation. Absolutely. You know, that's what makes me so excited. And yeah. Yeah. And, and it will be um, when we do it right. And I say when, not if, because I, I, I definitely see the momentum and, and there's a lot of people that are focused on carbon. It's, it's almost become a, a buzzword these days. Um, the, the worry that I have is looking at the carbon market. If you study the development over time, this has been going on since the 90s. I mean, carbon's old ancient compared to hemp, if you look at like legal markets in the U.S. at least. Um, and it's still very volatile. There's a lot of people that don't understand you know, anything that relates to it. There are a couple of organizations out there that are currently offering some sort of, you know, methodology or carbon for agriculture, but the majority of them are not focused on any of the biomass and the, the extra additives, the replacement um, abilities. Like there's, there's just so many variables that the worry that I have as far as being able to confidently say we can place this carbon on the exchange at X price is that um, there's no methodologies that have been approved for hemp with a true verifier. So like your veras, your gold standards, a lot of these people, until I see a methodology that's been approved by them for hemp that can be applicable to our farmers, that that will be the point that I can take, regardless of who's the one issuing it, I, I'd be willing at that point to, to bring it to the exchange and, and put it up as a credit. So each methodology can really be its own spec or standard but until we get to that point, um, I'm, I'm very cautious. I say I'm, I'm very optimistic about the future, but cautious about the present when it comes to carbon. And, 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 if, and if I could add to that, Mandy, uh, Nathan, Nathan is probably one of the best people to talk about that. And I think this is one of his passions. It's probably one of the reasons he yeah. got into hemp in the first place. Um, and um, but uh, but, you know, from my world, uh, what this means is this is something that I think is absolutely crucial. Uh, you know, these are the products that that we need to launch. Let's face it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and um, you know, and and what Nathan is saying, by the way, uh, we've already started down that path and that journey. We're talking to major yeah. universities. Um, you know, there's a consortium of of Harvard, Oxford, and uh, I forget the third one, but they're actually doing work in the rainforests. They've come to us. Um, you know, the, the, so so we're working. We're really trying to, to peel this onion. All right. Because because we know that when we get into the middle of it, it's going to be delicious. All right. And I'm a big I'm a big onion fan. So, there you go. but no, honestly, I think I think where we're what we're talking about, though, is is something that is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, you know, so imagine that, that that same farmer that that can actually help save the planet, you know, on one corner of his of, of his farm uh, is actually uh, creating something uh, that is biodegradable on the other side uh, that's being used uh, in auto production, you know. And incidentally, you know, the, the auto producers can't get enough. They, they, they keep when I talk to auto executives, the one thing they tell me is they can't get enough. They can't get enough herd. They can't get enough fire. They, if they could, they they'd probably do more replacement, uh, you know. And and but uh, but they just can't get it. And I find that to be ironic. I wish I wish we could just bring these worlds together properly. Okay, so what is it? 
Yeah, I feel like this is something that helps to connect those, right? Because it gives that transparency and it gives the security. Also, I say all the time, platforms like these help to set those standards because now you're really understanding Absolutely. what are those needs on the buyer's side and what's really being produced both from the farm and that processor or raw material manufacturing, right? Or processing. That's exactly right, Mandy. And that's, right. that's where other exchanges and the entire, the old world of commodities fails, all right? Because you're always trying to take a round peg and put it into a square hole. It just doesn't make sense. Whereas with what we are doing, you can take a look at where it was planted, where it was grown, where it was shipped, how it was shipped, where it was stored, uh, you know, uh, you know, where it was processed, I, I, all the way on through, uh, and and having full faith in the fact that everything is on the blockchain. And just for for just so we all remember what the blockchain is, it's it's you know, don't trust, verify. It's all verification. It's no trust at all. You know, it's not like going to the bank where, you know, it's, it's you know, you trust and you verify. No, this is no trust in all verification. All right. So so when we're talking about something, you know what you're getting, because here it is. It's got to go through the various nodes of the blockchain and it cannot be, you know, you know, adulterated in any way and fashion. OK, so I'm curious about trends. I've had a lot of people bring this up to me, um, especially around this grant, right? This big grant with Climate Smart Commodity, oh, yeah. really pushing farmers out and the adoption of blockchain and NFTs and things like that. Can you talk to me a little bit about trends, especially as we're moving away from the old way of trading to this new way of transparency? Um, yeah, what type of trends are you seeing and what may be um, obstacles have you guys had to address or potentially overcome, you know, being this new innovation and this new type, new way of doing business? Really? Uh, no? Nathan, let, let me start only because I want to give a view from my world and then because mm -hmm. I think we're, we're two generations here. Um, yeah. From my world, I think what we've got now is the, the, the track and trace. Okay, it, it gives us the ability to, to maintain and capture that data and maintain the provenance of that data all the way on through on the smart contract. This is, again, for me, you know, as a 61 year old man, I find this to be absolutely fascinating that we could take it and take that world into an exact science like this. And, and you know, you keep hearing me use that term because, you know, I, I quite frankly, you, you get tired. Of, of inferior product being passed around, uh, whether it's coming from another country or whether it's coming from this country. It, it, you know what, once that starts happening, it corrupts the entire system. It corrupts every player, whether they're a good player or a bad player, it corrupts everybody. And, and that's really what we're trying to address. But Nathan, why don't you give your explanation from your, from your world? Yeah, so trends within the hemp industry, obviously you, you had the, um, the technological development of, you know, what is CBD? And we, we now have all this and they had the green rush and we talked about how that crashed, but now everybody's like, well, what about fiber? And it hasn't quite got there yet. So what about grain? And so everybody's jumping on really, what is that next new thing so that they can, they can jump in and be the forefront. Um, really what I'd like to see is more of a trend of people going into their special, um, you know, specification or specialization is the word I was looking for. And so like you have, uh, people who are really good at grain, and and that needs to be more you know around the country. People who are good at grain are are growing grain in the regions that it's it's viable. Um, and then you have uh, different strains like uh, in the fiber world. I'm in Texas, 
And we've had a couple of fiber trials and they just, the majority of them don't work. All the, even AOSCA certified, that just means that it was grown in a way that's, re, that's you know, that was tracked and monitored. But then it doesn't tell you what region of the world it can be grown in. So most of the AOSCA certified seed comes from Northern Europe or Canada. And none of those worked in Texas. There's, you know, all of about three strains and, and one of them in particular, I give a shout out to um, Adam Cantwell at uh, Echo Fiber for MS77 down with some of our partners at Tetra Hemp in, in Texas. They've been um, they've been very uh, successful so far with growing fiber in Texas. And so with that, you, you've got trends of some people are, are focusing on their silos. And I, I'd like to see that that uh, continue as well. Because you have, um, you know, when you get to specialization, then then you get a higher quality product and people know what they're doing. Um, and so that's that's something I'm excited about seeing is, is people actually getting to the volume that's necessary to have a true commodity market. <laughs> Mandy, if I could if I could just kind of throw one thing out, you know, I I I. I I listen to, to Nathan talk and, and, and I hear what you're saying. And one thing that always pops into my mind is that we really don't know what we're going to be trading in another five years. We don't know what's yeah. going to be the, the center of the freeway, what's, where it's really going to be. And, you know, I, I'm reminded of, of the time when, when I was on the board of directors of CME Group, I had the, the luxury of sitting next to a couple of Nobel laureates every month. Uh, and, and before we would have a luncheon right before we would have our meetings. And one of them was Merton Miller. Uh, and, and we became very good friends. He, he was a free market economist from the University of Chicago, uh, you know, staunchy old guy with a with a black three piece suit. And I would see him all the time. And, and one of the things that he said to me one day was and this was probably in 99, 2000. He was Jack, my boy. I don't understand this Internet thing other than information. What else could it be really good for? Then he stopped. And then he said to me, then again, what do I know? When they invented the steam engine, they used it to pump water out of coal mines. No one thought it would be good for anything else. And it was one of the most brilliant things he even said. Cause I remember, it, it, I still remember it to this day, like it was yesterday. Um, and, and I feel that way about hemp. You know, I, I don't know where we're going, but I do know that there is something big here, you know, bigger than I think the three of us are even talking about. Totally. You know, yeah, when I talk to, to executives that are in, in other industries and I bring up the fact that we're in hemp, their eyes light up, right? <laughs> their, their ears perk up. I mean, I mean, and these are people that you wouldn't expect it to, you know, and, and all of a sudden you're quite, you're questioning, you know, the, the whole situation and you're asking, well, why are they so interested in hemp? You know, they, they, they've got no exposure to this market, you know, but yet, you know, it must be a topic in most boardrooms. All right. In one way or another, I'm imagining the topic of hemp is coming up, whether it's medicine, whether it's fiber, you know, whether it's hempcrete, somewhere along the line, something's happening here. Carbon. Almost all yeah. of these big organizations are concerned about the yeah. coming upcoming penalties around our carbon footprints. And it oh, yeah. plays a role like it's showing it is. And what's cool is more and more science and more and more peer reviewed data is mm -hmm. becoming available that, you know, I was talking to Patagonia just not too long ago and she said, yeah, as soon as we got our LCA reports back, we, we knew we were in. Right. And so it just retakes stuff like that in those boardrooms for people to say, but wait a minute, I saw this report, but wait a minute, guys, have we considered this? This is a new. And what's funny is we're new to hemp. Hemp is not new. <laughs> and so that's what's so yeah. exciting, right? Is, 
is just like carbon. And anyways, so I'm really excited about it. When we talk about trends or things that maybe the industry has not been talking about that should be, especially Jack, coming from your perspective and your background and experience, what are some things that this emerging industry can expect or maybe you you would anticipate to be topic of discussion that isn't yet? Well, I think that what we're seeing being developed is probably going to end up being mainstream. All right. Uh, quite frankly, um, if if I if if hempcrete, for example, turns out to be what I think it is, if there's a way to be able to capture see see us, I mean, you know, if we could do something um, along those lines, um, then I think that we're going to find that the road is going to take us that way. The, the, we can't. It's hard to pick out a trend because a trend is more. Uh, something that, that could be, you know, uh, you know, something that lasts three months, you know what I mean? And then, and then down the road, it's gone. I think what we need is something that, that is our foundation as an industry. You know, once we find those foundations, those pillars, then we can kind of build on that. I think, you know, one of those pillars is, is CBD. We found that to be a pillar. You know, one of the pillars is fiber. Maybe another pillar will be feed. Okay, uh, you know, uh, maybe another pillar. Yeah, will be yeah, so so these are these are the pillars. We have to find what our pillars are, and then from those pillars, you build your platform, and then from your platform, you'll find your trends, your real trends. All right, not something that's going to last two or three months. Does that make sense to you? Because uh, I'm I'm trying to throw my old man wisdom into this. I've been saying, <laughs> I've been saying for a while if we can get the foundation built for our kids and our younger generations to get a hold of this, that's where we're really gonna see game-changing IP and really see an advancement, right? So I always say like, if I can get the foundation of getting the raw material into their hands as students, that's when I'm excited to start seeing this real innovation and these new trends that like you said, we just, we don't know yet. I don't know what they're going to be, but I am curious as far as you know, like standards and spec development and, you know, Nathan, maybe what are some of the specs or standards that the industry is really looking for um, that maybe we can help bring to light? You know, what what can our, our association and our industry come together on to answer some of these questions that you're seeing from both standard development and the platform? Yeah, so um, I know that uh, there's, there's a number of groups out there working on animal feed. Um, I see the person mentioned energy. Uh, I think that's a, a good trend that I would like to see become a pillar. Um, I'm just worried about uh, how much investment it takes to an R&D that it takes to get to that baseline. And I haven't seen anybody that's willing to take the risk. And it is a risk because the first mover may not be the one who gets all the advantage. But that foundation, like you said, needs to be laid um, for, for energy uh, but also going back to textiles, I think that it's, it's very hard to get to that point. Um, though I've seen uh, people like uh, South Bend Industrial Hemp, I think they've done a great job in getting the herd market out there, and, and they've they've had plenty of volume out there. Um, but even still, it takes an extra level of investment, and in order for them to take the risk and go that way, uh, I've talked to Melissa, and she's mentioned that they need they need a buyer for the for what they have in order to even jump there, and so. You know, it's very understandable from a business perspective. They have to do what's best for their farm. And so uh, there's there's a lot of, of different avenues that can go. But if you're in the market, I would recommend you go for what you are good at. So so identify where your um, 
uh, where your uh, competitive advantage is and, and really dive into that. There are some people I uh, met Lone Star um, Hemp or Lone Star Industrial Materials down here. They're two hours away from me. Um, I didn't even know they existed. They've been existing for two years. Um, they've, they've got a great process that they're working on grain. Um, I think that's fantastic. And I, I highly encourage them to, to continue with that. Um, but there, there are so many different ways that everybody's got to be able to find their niche and they've, they've got to go for it. Um, I'd love to see somebody come into the energy sector, but again, I, I just haven't seen anybody make that leap yet. <laughs> okay. I want to introduce you to a couple people. In fact, maybe I'll get Vinny back on to share because he's very involved in that energy sector. And it was funny a while back, and what really lit my fire to say that, you know, the energy sector is such a big pool that isn't the low hanging fruit right now, right? It's definitely the future no. of what we're going to see um, yeah. is when somebody from Australia called and said, listen, we're committed to electric vehicles and our power grid won't support it. We have to come up with alternative methods and hemp is mm -hmm. what we're looking into. And right then I was like, yeah, we've got a problem. <laughs> you know, we're all moving to this electric vehicle movement and, um, we forget what fuels those electric vehicles is our power grid that's then supported by what. <laughs> and so being able to come up with those alternative methods as well as the reduction of weight on our vehicles, right? And so it kind of becomes this- Well, hemp can't help with that. What? You know, if, well, hemp can't help with the weight reduction. We know that. Totally, yeah, absolutely. It becomes this like circular opportunity. And Jack, do you have anything you wanna throw in? Well, I, I think that if anybody that's that's so adamant about electric vehicles, and I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not saying anything bad against them, uh, should probably go out to see a lithium mine, all right, or a cobalt yeah. mine, just, just to see. You know why? Because it is, uh, it's not pretty. And and then when you see the processing done, all right, to create batteries, that's not pretty. Uh, so, yeah, well, you know. The, the biggest problem is that we had it being done in China, uh, you know, with the supply chains. And, and what, now we got to the point where what was becoming an anti-China sentiment is becoming an anti-China policy. Uh, they don't want, you know, magnets that are going to be going into our weapon systems being created in China. It's as simple as that. And I think that, you know, when, and when I talk about, you know, magnets, I'm talking about batteries because that's basically your, your main component there. So, um, you know, it becomes very difficult. And I think so what we're coming up with are different strategies, a, a North and South American strategy, a European strategy, and I think a, a Far East strategy, um, which are going to be very unique in the way that we approach things. But you're right. Uh, you know, the, these, these grids can't take, you know, what, what we're throwing at them. California announced, Newsom announced that they were going to go all electric, I think by 2030. Their, their power company went ballistic. They said, we cannot handle that. All right. It's as simple as that. So, so and it's, um, unless they force um, solar panels on everybody's house, all right, and have them power their own cars, which would probably be the smart thing to do eventually. But would it be strong yeah. enough? Like, this, well, is what I, this is what keeps coming up in topic is like the strength of the solar panel to be able to power the vehicle mm -hmm. or, yeah. Anyways. Well, it's being done now overnight. Uh, so, you know, you can, if you've stored up enough energy, you can, you can actually power your car overnight. So, I mean, we're seeing that in, in Vegas. We're seeing it in parts of the U.S., obviously, that have got a lot of sun. Uh, but here in Chicago, I can't imagine having an electric vehicle unless I change a battery. Uh, you know, I haven't seen the sun for three weeks. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Utah's the same way. We'll get under an inversion, but none of us, yeah. all of a sudden, our air will clear up real quick. <laughs> 
But, you know, just going back to it, I mean, when we're, when we're dealing with products like hemp, commodities like hemp, there's a, a certain, there's a good feeling. Um, you know, when you're, when you're trading, all right, your really bottom line is your P&L, profits and loss, right? How much you made, how much you lost. That's it. That's all that mattered. With this, and, and, and Nathan will, you know, I think chime in on it, um, it's more than that, all right? You feel as if you're doing something good. We're doing something right. We're bringing a product that should be brought, you know, from 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 obscurity into the mainstream and treating it uh, like a real financial asset, which it needs to be treated like. So I, I think I think that's important, Nathan. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would agree that it it does need to be treated that way, and it needs to be treated in such a way that it actually, as we mentioned earlier, goes back and allows those those producers to reap the benefits of of the benefit that they're producing, and so. Right now, it seems like the middleman, there's so many of them that they just take a margin after margin after margin, that if we can bridge that gap between who's producing and who's using, if we can make it a couple smaller steps and make it easier for them to interact and, and meet each other, or even if they don't meet each other, to, to make an agreement and, and pass product from one to another, um, we can- Understand the specifications that they need on the buyer side, right? Mm -hmm. And or seller yeah. side, like. Yes. Good job. I did not mean to grab yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> uh, no worries. I saw I saw Bill chimed in. He's he's mentioned some other things about energy in the past that, uh, you know, they, they can be more distributed um, in the in a way that uh, makes it a little easier for the marginal cost to, to not matter quite as much. But when it when it comes to the industry, like GSCG provides uh, the, the ability for more people to access these commodity markets than otherwise have been able to traditionally. And that's that's really one of the benefits we want to provide is is access to markets, capital markets for people that otherwise have been shut out by middlemen after middlemen. So um, right. I think that's one of the main benefits that we're providing. And, and for me, uh, and Mandy, I'll even go further. I'll say it's probably more important for me for the for the actual growers, all right, for the farmers, because they're the ones who seem to have gotten the short end of the stick you know, from day one in this world, right? Um, and, but that's not only in hemp. That happens in every industry. All agriculture. Exactly All right. Agriculture. And, and it wasn't until they have associations like the one that we have right here, all right, that that protected the, the interests of the farmer. That's why you have, you know, we have the, the, the corn growers association, the soybean growers association. They're all big, you know, big political lobbyists to the exchanges, all right? And what they really want to do is maintain their interests at all costs. Right? And the reality is what they really want to do is they want to protect themselves as farmers, all right? The, you know, if you're, if you're uh, running a, a livestock operation, if you're running a pig farm, all right, you are very active at the exchanges, you know, because they've got a, a, you know, a lean hog contract, they've got a live cattle contract. So you want to make sure that the specs are where you want them, where they fall within the slaughterhouse rules for that matter. But, but what we're dealing with is something that's so unique. It was the Wild West for so many years. You know, and so there are some people that tell me it's still the Wild West. Well, you know what? I feel like I'm in Deadwood. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to tame it. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm ready. Uh, you know, it's, it's important. Yeah, it, it, it's important because it's that, it's that big. And, it, and let's, let's even let's take it to a business level. All right. It could be 
a, a huge part of people's balance sheets, whether they be corporations, whether they be farmers, whoever it might be. This is something that's going to get larger and larger. So you're going to have financial institutions taking a closer look. And once they start to do that, they're going to rely on data. They're going to rely on the things that we're producing at GSCG because we've maintained the provenance of all of that data from, from start to finish. Well, well we talk, go ahead, Nathan. I'll put myself on mute because, of course, when I start this, the lawnmower is right outside my window. And so that's what you guys hear. But I just wanted to say, too, that how valuable the data is. Somebody asked me the other day, what does the industry really need? For a long time, I said processing, processing, processing. Now I say data, you know, because in order for us to move this forward, insurance is based on a history of data. That's right. right. Same thing. This now feeds this data collection when we're looking at the specs on all aspects throughout the supply chain is a game changer for financial financial institutions, risk mitigation, insurance and banking, right? All of the all of the above, let alone the buyers and all of the pieces in between. So it makes me excited. Good. You know, when, when it comes to insurance, it's an interesting point. So our uh, GSCG 360 platform, which is going to be our mobile apps, the data collection tools that we're going to be utilizing. Uh, so we at, at GSCG, we have our trading platform. That's the Stylus platform. And then underneath that, all of our data tools, our 360 apps, they're going to go out into the marketplace and they're going to collect certain pieces of data. Uh, when you have you know, pictures, dates, timestamps, you know, when, when, when did what go in the ground? Um, you can take pictures of this is what it was. If you have a, a natural occurring event, a tornado, a, an ice storm, whatever, that wipes out your crop, you can have proof that on this day I had this much crop in the ground and this is how much I lost. That type of information is invaluable to um, the insurance and, and other people like that. So we're providing the tools that farmers can use to have that, that backdrop for the insurance. Let alone the risk of like because of your crop going hot, being able to show what your crop looked like, what being mm -hmm. able to show, you know what I mean, I feel like that would also be valuable data to mitigate risk for farmers to get Absolutely. security that listen, I've tracked this is what my crop looked like. I'm clearly growing a fiber crop or for grain compared to a right. high THC or something. You know, just what a much better way to to process. Okay, so real quick, I wanted to touch on one last thing. We're almost out of time, but I wanted to talk about um, who are the partners? Who are you guys really collaborating with? And what are you currently trading on your platform? You guys are doing more than just hemp. Is that right, from what I understand? Yeah, go ahead. Nathan, you want to you, you start? And then yeah. I'll jump in. Yeah, go ahead. So in the in the hemp world, we've uh, I've mentioned Tetra Hemp Company. We've, we've worked with them as far as establishing a lot of the textiles. I'm looking to go um, further in my relationships with some of the other processors that are out there. Um, Ken Elliott, Melissa, um, Patrick down at, at Lone Star. Um, uh, Patrick Dave and Candy out. <laughs> There's um, a lot. <laughs> uh, man, I'm blanking on Patrick's last name. I apologize, mate. Lone Star near near Houston. Yeah. Um, so the uh, you know Dave Canby and, and some other processors. Um, and we'd like to build those relationships further because they're kind of the, the hinge point within the hemp industry, you know, if you're making product. Uh, so we've, we've also worked with other uh, processors, um, uh, Hemp Rise in Indiana, somebody we've been working with recently and, and some others. Uh, but we're looking at, uh, you know, in, um, Kif Cure, some, some others that have been out there working on processing 
Uh, and then we'd like to work more directly with some farmers as well. Um, a lot of these are, are large acreage farmers, but um, you know, we, we'd like to pool in as many as we are able. Um, Jack, you want to go ahead and talk some of our other financial partners? Sure. I, you know, b- before we go there, just so you understand, and Nathan, Nathan, uh, I kind of maybe undersold it a little bit. Uh, what we've done with a lot of these is they, they're written right into our platform with their API or with our and, and what we're so we're communicating directly. Uh, so this is not a, a manual type of thing. Um, eventually, the whole idea there is to have everything fully automated. Uh, you know, from 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 uh, you know the the the, uh, the the capture of the data off the field, you know, on through the price dissemination. Um, but we're also looking at things like uh, dairy. Dairy is a, a big market for us that we're paying very close attention to. Um, we there are a lot of nuances, much like there are in in the hemp world. Um, hemp was our our proof of concept. We wanted to go out there with hemp and make sure that we knew what we were talking about or thinking about actually worked, and it does. Uh, it, it works perfectly. So now what we want to do is we want to make sure that we have other products. So uh, we were talking to people, for example, that are growing non-GMO corn. Uh, you know, How do you know the corn that you're buying is non-GMO? How do you know what you're buying is organic, for that matter, because the farmer told you it's organic? Well, you know, there are ways to be able to verify that all right, and capture that data and do it properly. And I think that down the road, you know, I, we'll find that our our technology that we've built uh, will be very, very well suited for very other, you know, various other silos of products. Um, whether it's oil, whether it's, I, I'd rather not get into oil only because I think it's a dirty business. Uh, you know, I'd rather get into something clean, uh, and that's why I like hemp. But uh, but if we could stick to things that that need real price discovery that are all over the place. And I, I mentioned dairy because dairy is one of those things. Um, grass-fed cattle is another one, for example. Uh, you know, it, it's, these are things that are very difficult to find. And, um, and, and what you find is it's in many cases, you're taking people's word for it. So, you know, if we can take what in my mind was that, you know, that guessing game, you know, and turn it into that exact science, then we're accomplishing something. We're giving both buyer and seller what they really want. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, I want to, we're right at an hour. So I want to be respectful of your guys' time. And I would love to have you guys back and actually do an update on this as our market emerges, because I think, like you said, we're going to see exponential growth over this next couple of years and major development in these standards as we have data or a place to collect the data, right? And then do something with it. It's very different than what we had even 50 years ago where farmers were collecting you know, on a tablet and then mailing them in or storing it. And so I'm really excited about the level of of growth that we're going to see. So without that, um, I'd love to say, yeah, like I said, thank you very, very much. Thank you again, both of you for your support with Global Hemp Association. Um, Real quick again, can you let people know, Nathan or Jack, where do people get in touch with you? How do they reach you if they have questions or want to get involved or apply to be on the platform? Yeah, so I'll I'll start and you can reach me at my email, Nathan at smartcommoditygroup.com. You can find me on Facebook, the LinkedIn, Nathan R. Murphy, um, is how I'm listed on there. So I'm a little easier to find. Um, I'm on the, the hemp hallway and, uh, more than happy to accept an email, a phone call. Um, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, and then again, the website is smartcommoditygroup.com. Awesome. And, and if anybody's got a question for me, they can reach me at jack at smartcommoditygroup.com. And, uh, same thing. You know what? If I can't answer it, I'll just pass it on to Nathan so he can answer it. <laughs> <laughs> And the way I'll do it is I'll just send it all to Nathan. No, I'm just <laughs> so goal for the day, let's just flood Nathan's inbox. No, I'm just there kidding. Take that back. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, well, you guys, thank you accordingly. That's right. Thank you guys very, very much. Will you be thank attending you, the upcoming events here pretty soon, Nathan? Or Jack? Um, I'm looking at a few this summer, maybe. Um, there's a couple events near Houston uh, that I, I might jump into. But as far as hemp events, I, I don't have any on the horizon. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm open if, if you let me know when, when, where, and I'll see if I can uh, make it fit into the schedule. Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll be in touch. Okay, you guys, thank you very, very much for joining. I appreciate everybody that chimed in today. Barry, it was great to see you again. Christian, you as well. Adam. Um, again, shout out to all of our sponsors. We have an incredible group of sponsors. Uh, South Bend Industrial Hemp, IND Hemp, Formation Ag, um, Almco, Prairie Brand, Prairie Band Ag, all as sponsors for our uh, seed trials. So please follow along. You can follow Melissa. She does a great job on social media, giving shout outs as well as highlights of what's happening for the seed trials. Um, but a lot of data to come out of this, especially on the fiber side um, across the nation, so that as you're looking into next year of expansion and growing into additional states, this is going to be an incredible piece of a good, great report that's available for everybody. So um, we're looking at publishing that probably November for sponsors and then April um, to the public. And so if you're looking to you know, have a, a head start on data, be sure to reach out to one of us. Uh, reach out to one of us. Other than that, you guys, thank you very, very much for everything that you do. And we'll see you next time. Thank Thanks you, guys. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Absolutely. Take care, Mandy. Uh-huh.